Welcome to the Tool Shed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From the MLB draft all the way to the show, we're here to help give you the edge in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. Welcome into episode 190 of the Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, powered by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's going on, bud? Man, not much. Another day. Good to be back. A lot of baseball going on. World Baseball Classic starting. Got a more prospects now playing in spring training, so a lot of good stuff. And yeah, we're here to break it all down, as there's been a lot of interesting things happening we did pitchers and now looking at hitters i think there's some intriguing hitters that are flying under the radar that have a chance to really take off that you can probably get at a pretty affordable price right now yeah i love this time of year like the first like two weeks of spring training when we see and we talked a lot about like velocity risers and followers and you know with the wbc we get a lot of extra prospect you know, playing time, it's very fun. A lot of stuff to talk about. We'll be hit, hitting, on, hitting on hitters in this episode. As Chris mentioned, we'll get, we did pitchers last episode. So if you missed that, go back and check that out. That was episode 189. But before we get into this episode here, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at AirCross04. And our show is at ToolshedPod. If you enjoyed this podcast, please drop us a five-star rating and review. We really appreciate it. Check out my Patreon for more work from me. Chris's Substack for more work from him. A lot of fun stuff on both of those channels as well. And before we get into the show, we want to say a quick word about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. If you set up using the promo code Toolshed, you'll receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. And that can be used on any of their fun fantasy games, including MOE best balls, individual player pickums across all sports, and so much more. Set up today using the code Toolshed at play.underdogfantasy.com slash the letter P-the-toolshed. I know that's going to be a problem for me, on the, especially on the pick'em side of things when MLB season starts up. I'm going to be on there every day. So it's a really, really fun platform. A lot of good stuff, a lot of different stuff you can do with different games. So definitely recommend going to check out Underdog Fantasy. All right, Chris. Let's hop right into it now. Like, There'll be a lot of under-the-radar names here, but you know we'll hit some of the bigger names as well. And starting with a very big name and a very big individual, the 6'6", 250 Jordan Walker. Always cooled down a little bit last couple of days. When I was down there, the two games of his I saw when I was in Florida, first game, two for three with a double. Second game, four for four, two home runs. There's no stat cast in that park, but... I saw later on that the estimated velocity or the distance, excuse me, was 470 on the first one. I believe it. And 450 in the second one, maybe a little bit high, but still it was two tanks. I had to guess the 470 one was probably 110, 111, 112 off the bat. That second one got out of the park at about 0.2 seconds. Had to have been 115 plus. I'm just guessing, but he absolutely mashed overall been one of the best hitters in spring training you know four home runs already you know we talked we've talked a lot about him you know but one thing i want to kind of mention or kind of get into is 
it's something I got, you know, a little bit of slack for on Twitter when I posted about it. You know, we talk about the top two, Carol, Gunner, being in a tier of their own. And I even said that too. I think that's wrong. I think Walker is in that tier. You know, people are like, oh, well, you're saying that because of the last, you know, the hot stretch for the last couple of days. No. What obviously putting him kind of in the forefront of everyone's kind of mind, I thought it was good to say. But at the same time, Walker has just as much potential as those two. He's an early round potential fantasy guy down the road. And kind of the one thing that was keeping him down a little bit out of that tier for me was the fact that, all right, they're already in the major leagues. Maybe we didn't see him until midseason, but he's probably going to debut if it's not opening day very early in the year. I still think opening day is a distinct possibility. Again, if not, it's probably what, May at the latest. So with that proximity being pushed up now, I think he's right there. And I am definitely just all in on Walker. Like this guy, you know, Ian Khan had a great presentation about just reading players, like they're, what what they're thinking and like their you know their demeanor and certain situations, and Jordan Walker you know Chris has seen him too. He he knows like he knows he's great, not like in a bad way. It's it's a confident way. Like he knows that he has the up you know that, that potential and that he's gonna dominate wherever he is. So I'm all in on him. I think he's gonna be a guy that fast forward a year you know dynasty startup draft. He's probably being taken in the top fifteen. I think he's that good and. He's been really crushing it this spring. He's a fun one, man. I really do think he's going to make the team out of camp. Like, I would be pretty baffled if he didn't. You know, I don't know. I just think there's something special about this guy. And, you know, people people want to find stuff to prod at all the time on Twitter, which is quite annoying because they say, well, this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. Yeah, it does matter, actually. And Jordan Walker, oh, he hasn't faced good pitching. It's not true. He's faced a lot of MLB pitching and has performed well. So I'm tired of the narratives where people just want to crap on players and crap on analyst takes. Like That frustrates me a bit because there's no need for that. If you're not reacting to something, then what's the point of spring training? Like, what are they there to do? Like, If they're not there to perform, like Walker's got something to perform for. Walker's, if he performs, increases his chances of making the team out of camp. So, like, yeah, it absolutely does matter what he's doing. So, you can say it's irrelevant that he's beating up on poor pitching. I don't really care. I think that Walker's really good. I think Walker's going to be really good for a long time. And I think that Walker's going to be a guy that makes the camp out of spring. And, like you said, he's going to, he stands a good chance to increase his dynasty stock pretty significantly. Yeah. <clears throat> I love the whole, oh, he hasn't hit him up. Like, what do you want? Like, oh, if it's not off of Garrett Cole and, you know, Justin Verlander, it doesn't matter. Like, okay, yeah, he wasn't facing studs, but in that game where he went four for four with two home runs, and in the middle of the two home runs was a double that was pretty loudly hit, too, probably 105-plus on that one. The hits were off of, see, the home runs were off of Cade Cavalli, you know, good young pitcher, and I think the other one was off of Chad Cool. Oh, no, it's Chad Cool. That's still a major league pitcher. Like, what do you want? It's not low A, some Joe Schmo org depth guy. It's major league pitchers, and then he got it. I think the double was off of like Willie Peralta again, not a stud, but a major league pitcher. Like, what do you want? I, I don't get it. Like, oh, it's not off of a stud. Okay, like you can't face studs every time out. It's not how it works. But he's not hitting these up of, again. Some like nineteen year old low A guys hitting them off of 
three major league pitchers. I forget who the fourth hit was off of. Maybe he had two off of Cavalli or, or, oh no, the starter was Johnny Cueto. Again, Cueto was thrown 88. It's whatever, but again, major league arm. So I think the four hits were off of Cueto, Cavalli, Chad Cool, and Willie Peralta, or a reliever like Willie Peralta. I can't remember. But again, four major league pitchers. Walker's the real deal. Like you mentioned, he's special. Like above the talent, like some guys, you just see that they have that kind of what it takes to be a superstar stud face of a franchise, you know, MVP caliber type of player. And I think Jordan Walker is that like I've said a multiple times that he's can be, you know, just a smidge below J rod. I think he's like Eloy Jimenez with speed. He, I think he has a steal or two this spring already. I think he has at least one steal already this spring. So yeah, I am this guy, you know, I, I had him in the thirties in my last dynasty rankings updates, for average and OBP, obviously he's very good in both formats. I think he's a push up in the top 25 for me. Like I have Carroll right inside the top 20, Henderson right outside the top 20. I think he should be like mid to late 20s. I think that's where he should be valued at. And I think, and I think he went even higher than that in the dynasty startup I'm in right now. So yeah, I am as in as in can be with Jordan Walker. All right. Next one, Garrett Mitchell, guy that I've also been pretty high on for a while, but Mitchell's a guy obviously falling down rankings due to the, you know, the hitch in the swing, higher K rate, higher ground ball rate. But hey, Chris, Mitchell is really, really impressing so far. Trio of home runs so far, no steals to my recollection. But what are your thoughts on Mitchell? Is he rising up your rankings right now? Well, you talk about one of the faster players in the game. So regardless of the steals, like it still means that like the power coming around is the biggest thing for me. And he's been really impressive and I'm not going to lie. I've been down on him, but I looked to take him in TGFPI and he was already gone. Like he went in the 15th round. He's really improved his stock. I feel like he hasn't walked. So that's a concern. I mean, he's got 18 at bats. He's got three home runs. Like that's phenomenal. He's got 1222 OPS so far in the spring. No steals, as you mentioned, but man, the contact plus the power, like that's pretty substantial to me. He struck out five times in 18 at bats. That's another thing to watch there the strikeouts and the no walks. So that's a really big thing. But if he's putting a lot of balls into play, he's lifting it more. Like that's really the biggest thing that he just didn't lift the ball enough. And he's doing that better this spring. So it's got to stick. But if it does stick, then we're looking at, you know, I think a potential breakout here. So I'm, I'm buying Garrett Mitchell where I can in a dynasty league because there has been pedigree in the past. Like he's had the raw power. There's no denying his raw power. He just had to yep. lift the ball and get to it in game. And guess what? He's doing that. And now color me intrigued. Yeah, man. I, I've always been intrigued by Mitchell dating back to his days at UCLA coming out of the draft where, you know, he was a potential you know, it's kind of like a sleeper one-one for FYPDs, and yeah, he, he has the ingredients to be a you know top 100 fantasy guy. Like, think of it like being top 100 as a cake, and Mitchell has all the ingredients, but he's missing like the flour or something like that. Like one key ingredient, and that was the K rate and the ground ball rate. But he has the raw power to be a 20 home run guy. He has like he, Chris, he's one of the fastest base runners in all of baseball. Like, there is legit, like, 2025 upside here. 
if everything clicks, like that is the type of player we could be looking at. And obviously brings a lot of defensive value as well. And he's going to have to hit well. Like this has to carry over into the season because we know that he has Sal Frelick and Joey Weimer kind of like nipping at his heels, kind of ready to take over if he goes on a prolonged slump. But luckily that defense will give him a little bit of a longer leash than it would if he was a poor defender. But yeah, I, I think that we're seeing the him finally put it all together. Maybe it's just a hot few weeks. You know, we saw him gone a little bit of a tear last year down the stretch as well. But you know, all the ingredients are there. So he's definitely one to, you know, one to buy into to see, hey, where does this go? Is it for real? If not, you know, you probably won't have to pay a huge cost to get him. So, you know, no harm, no foul. But if it does click, if it does work out, you know, this could be a potential like really, really big you know, ROI for your fantasy team. So yeah, I'm definitely, I already have him in a couple of leagues, thankfully, and I'm trying to get in other leagues as well. Speaking of increased power, Gabriel Moreno, Chris, a couple of dingers so far, hitting the ball very hard, a couple of the hard hit balls today, even uh, on Thursday when we're recording this. And, you know, there's no questioning the hit tool with Moreno. Like this is a guy could be a 300 hitter. Like he's shown elite contact abilities, low K rate, but like, we're like, all right, where's the power? And we've seen, you know, like what additional power can do to a player's value. Like, look at Luis Arias. Man, if he was a 20 home run hitter, he'd be a top 50 draft pick or something like that. But low power, same with Moreno, kind of limited the value. But if that power's coming along, Chris, you know, let's say that this kind of sticks. Do you think he could be a top 10 fantasy catcher moving forward? Yeah, the hit tool's that good. So I'm a bit intrigued by this. And whether it sticks or not is one thing. But Moreno's had, he's shown flashes of power. Let me put it that way. Shown flashes of power in the past, in the minor leagues at least. He topped out, see I wrote it in my spring training notes today. He That exit velocity he had yesterday, that home run was or that's probably a couple of days since you're listening to this, but 108.6 off the bat, 448 feet. That's pretty insane. But he's topped out as high as 112, which is interesting. I think he just has to get to it more consistently. But we're talking about a young player with that potential. So if he's getting to the power more often, the big exit velocities, then yeah, color me intrigued because the contact skills are really, really good here. We're talking about somebody that can hit 280 consistently, which is huge out of the catcher spot. And if he gets to like 18 home runs, like I think we're looking at a pretty studly catcher right here. So, yeah, I'm really intrigued by Moreno. That might even be like pushing top five catcher. Yeah. Like, yeah. Especially if, well, run production kind of, obviously he's not going to steal that much, but run production, Arizona, we'll see. We'll see how that lineup pans out. Might not be the greatest, but. Yeah, if he can definitely like 280 and like six home runs, all right, you'll use it. Maybe he's your C2, something like that. But 280 and 15 plus, like you mentioned, which I think is like, he has the, the raw power to get into that range if he just elevates more, which, he, which is something he wasn't doing in the upper minors the last couple of years or even in his, his stints in the major leagues. Yeah, I think he could be top 10 and a very safe, kind of a high floor guy too. Like that hit tool is legit. 280 plus totally agree with that i'm very intrigued to see where this power goes and yeah maybe it's just a hot few games but if he keeps elevating this spring you're gonna see his price tag go up so he's definitely a a good buy right now for 
in all, in all leagues, especially in dynasty leagues. Speaking of a goodbye, Michael Massey. What have I told you, Chris, that the only player in spring with three home runs and two steals so far was Michael Massey? What would you have said? I'd probably be a bit surprised. <laughs> but at the same time, I like Michael Massey a lot. He's always, look at his minor league career. Like he, He's a guy that kind of flies under the radar because doesn't have big power, doesn't have big speed. But the minor league career was very, very good. Always hit for a high average. Let's see his career minor league slash line. If my computer will cooperate here, it's not. But oh, there we go. Career minor league slash line, 294, 356, 506. In a little over a 1,000 plate appearances, 42 home runs, 29 steals, only caught four times, K rate around 18%. So guy that has shown he can hit for high average contact skills are solid. You know, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, maybe like a 15 homer, 10 steal guy. Looks like he's going to be the starting second baseman there in Kansas City. You know, he's hitting 350 this spring. Again, three home runs and two steals. I'm a fan. Like, I am, again, he's not, not going to be a stud, but kind of a very, like, guy that you could plug in, you know, maybe, I don't know if he's a middle infielder. Hey, maybe if he's 280, 270, 275, 15 and 10, that's pretty solid right there and very affordable cost right now. Yeah, he's really caught my eye. Somebody that I think could break out. You look at the overall profile, and I really like what he brings to the table. He hit a bomb, that grand slam off Dylan Cease the other night. Yeah, he's The average is up. He's always hit for good average. He's a good contact hitter. And even the power that he displayed like in the minors, like he hit home runs, and it just didn't really back the – like it wasn't really backed by EVs or hard hits. It's kind of like – Eh, not so sure this is legit. And then what he brings to the table now, if this stuff sticks, like I'm really intrigued by Michael Massey. Power, speed. He doesn't have to be like a massive power or speed guy to be right. valuable with the amount of you know contact that he brings to the table. His contact last year was not all that great in the majors. So I'm willing to push a bit past that and just say like that this is not really who he is because in the minors last year we saw him have an 84 percent z con zone contact rate in the majors last year that dropped down to 78.9 percent so he has good contact he's always hit for good average and if he's just like 15 15 guy let's say he even gets to more power because we saw him get to more power in that last year i mean between all levels he had 20 2021, he had 21 home runs. So let's just say he somehow becomes a 22 to 25 home run bat. Like then it gets really intriguing with Michael Massey. So yes, I am certainly buying it. The cost isn't high on him. Like nobody talks about this guy. So I think there's a good bit of buying opportunity here with Michael Massey. Yeah, I do too. I think, you know, maybe a hot take, but I think there's, there's a future, not a high percent chance, but at least some percent chance that he's just as good or better than like Andres Jimenez. Like I think there's some solid upside there and someone, again, you can just get for a really affordable price. Again, I'm not going to have him right anywhere near Andres Jimenez because Jimenez has shown it. Massey hasn't, but kind of a similar guy where it's like nothing really stands out, but he can do a little bit of everything well and kind of like be like a, a sum of the parts type of guy, as opposed to a, a standout in any one area. But I think he's sneaky good. And the, you know, the, 
opportunity is there again second baseman that's his i think his spot to lose right now so yeah i'm definitely intrigued by massey one of the young guys raking so far in spring training brett Beatty and oscar colos as well you know i think there's an easier path for colos was he to beat out gavin sheets that's not that hard but Beatty's is a little bit more you know difficult but off to a very very good start to spring Hitting for average has a home run as well. Do you think that we see Brett Beatty in the opening day lineup, Chris? Sadly not. He does deserve it, I think. Like I think he's certainly the best third baseman in this ready to play right now. I mean, he's been raking all spring. But I just think they're going to go with Eduardo Escobar to start the year. I mean, he was pretty bad most of last year. He re- he had a resurgence down the stretch, but I don't see this lasting long. It's just an experiment I don't see working out. They're paying him $10 million, I think. So maybe they feel like because they're paying him, they need to play him. But I just think for a contending club, they want to put their best foot forward. And I just don't believe that's Eduardo Escobar right now. So Beatty probably begins the year in AAA, but I don't think it's long before he's up and playing every day. He has nothing left to prove at this point, in my opinion. And what he's shown so far this spring just, just solidifies that even more. Yeah, I, I'm very high on Beatty. He should be. like He is their third baseman in the future. But, yeah, money money talks sometimes. And obviously, you know, Beatty's not making a lot. Escobar wasn't a huge contract. It is still a you know decent-sized contract for a player of his elk. So they're going to play him a little bit. But he's off to a slow start this spring. Last time I checked, he was two for 16, but that was a, a couple days ago. I haven't looked since, but... I, I do think we see Beatty sooner rather than later. Maybe it's a combo of, you know, some third base, some DH, some left field maybe. Who knows? But I think they want to get his bat into the lineup. They just have so many options there because, you know, Cohen spent like a drunken sailor ever since he took over that team. So, but yeah, Beatty is a great, great buy right now. You know, not a cheap price tag, obviously, but I think there's a you know, kind of like a back end top 10 third base profile here. Raised, you know, anywhere from 260 to 280 in that kind of range with 25 home runs and solid counting stats. It's got, probably got hits like fifth or so in the lineup behind Alonzo and all of them. So probably got, you know, drive in, maybe be a 100 RBI guy, added, you know, five, six steals as well. Yeah, I like Beatty a good amount. He's definitely, you know, made some improvements as a pure hitter and all of a that, you know, the raw power as well. So I'm definitely a, a Beatty believer for sure. All right, let's get this out of the way. Jared Kelnick, Chris, man, what's what is he up to now? Is it still is it four home runs right now? I think it's was it four or five? Let me see. It is four. Okay, seven games as of when we're recording this. He's seven for nineteen, four home runs, but you know, still six strikeouts, hitting three sixty eight. What what are you making of? I'll go to you first. Like, what are you making of this? Like, are you seeing some tangible change there with Kelnick? Are you believing in it or, you know, he's done this in the past or is it just, all right, another little mini hot streak for a still flawed player. I'm a bit scared that it's fool's gold. A lot of his home runs have come on, just kind of meatball pitches down the middle. And that's something he's always hit well. And I've still seen him whiffing up in the zone. That's been the major concern for me. He just can't hit velo up in the zone. And that's sadly continued. And, you know, until until he fixes that, I'm just not sure 
that I can fully buy into, you know, what we've seen from him. It's really nice, but at the same time, I don't know. I'm just not ready to invest in Kelnick just based on spring and him hitting some bombs off some meatball pitches. So I'm I'm kind of out, I guess per se. Not out, but not fully buying in. I'm I'm probably gonna surprise some people with my answer here. I am not believing in it whatsoever. It's gotten to the point where I need to see like regular season, like prolonged success and improving with the swing and miss, improving on secondaries. Yeah, like we know like the raw power, it's it's good. Speed there as well, but he still strikes out too much. And like you mentioned, it's not like with him, it's like he's been facing like great quality here. This is actually something where he's he's not facing, you know, good pitches, like you mentioned. So I don't know. I, I'm not buying into it. Same with this next guy, like you know, Joe Adele as well. I'm I'm not buying into anything, anything with Joe Adele. It was like, oh, there was some buzz. Oh, Joe Adele has added 15 pounds of muscle. Who cares? He was already strong. That was not the issue. Swing and miss was the issue. The approach was the issue. Context skills were the issue. Those still suck. Like you look at, I think he had the most strike, most strikeouts in spring training so far. Yeah, he's tied with Brett Phillips of all people. But <laughs> so far, he's four for twenty-two, has one home run, but twelve strikeouts. I, I don't care. I don't care if he comes in looking like a bodybuilder. I don't care. Last time I knew, adding fifteen pounds of muscle does not make you hit the ball better does not make you swing and miss less. So, again, Adele and Kelnick, I need a pretty sizable sample size in the regular season of them improving these issues that have plagued them for basically their entire major league career before I even think about buying back in. I guess I'm slightly more confident in Kelnick. I'm more out on Adele at this point. Again, He's a fun, he's a great athlete, obviously, you know, could be a guy that could, you know, go dominate at any point in time if he's able to fix this, but these are big issues to fix, and he has not made any real strides in fixing them yet. So I am, I'm willing to say I am fully out on Joe Adele and like one foot out the door doing a wide receiver toe tap sideline you know, toe drag with the, with Kelnick. I'm not fully out there. I'm mostly out. Yeah. I'm, I don't want anything to do with either of them for Dynasty, Kelnick, Adele. Like, they're just, just ain't got it. And it's, I think that they are examples that have really helped me kind of evolve my evaluation process yeah. with prospects. So, like, knowing, you know, what these guys struggled with and how it affected them as they moved up levels has me you know much more observant of prospects like and what they also are struggling with so yeah i'm i'm pretty out on adele like i am really out on adele actually and i'm certainly out on kelnick too but kelnick i think does have a little more intrigue yeah i the if if these guys were gas tanks, Adele would be on. He's on empty. You ran out of gas. You're on the side of the road, <laughs> broken down. Walk into the nearest gas station with your little, you know, one gallon thing of gas. Uh, Kelnick, he's running on E, and you're trying to make it to the gas station. But yeah, I'm. I, I have weird analogies for things, but 
I'm yeah, fully out on Adele, mostly but not fully out on Jared Kelnick, and it's gonna take a lot for me to buy back into him more than you know four home runs. Yeah, it's nice. It's not. It's better than him. You know, going two for twenty so far. I'll, I'll give him that. But yeah, I need to see more in higher kind of higher leverage. Let's go over to a couple of prospects that are hitting well in spring training. We'll start with Curtis Mead. Two home runs and a double through six games so far. 16 plate appearances. One of the better pure hitters in the minor leagues. One of the, I think one of the more underrated kind of top 100 prospects in minor leagues as well. Chris, do you think, like, first off, what when do you think we see Meade? Obviously with Tampa Bay, it's hard to say. But when do you think we see Meade this year? And long-term, everything clicks. What type of player do you think Meade's going to be? Well, I didn't think they would push him, just knowing how the Rays operate. And there's been talk of them signing him to a long-term extension. So there's been talks of that, which kind of perked my ears a bit. And maybe he's up sooner than later. And, I mean, if they go ahead and sign him to deal, it's hard to imagine that he's not up with the team when the season starts. I mean, he's going to be up regardless, but if he does sign a deal, then he's probably up on opening day. Meade's highly, highly attractive player. He's really underrated, like you said. He hits the ball insanely hard, and he makes really good contact. So when I look at Curtis Meade, I'm looking at a player that can hit 280, any given year, because I really do believe in the contact skills that much, with 25 home runs. And maybe that's crazy, but I really do like the bat that much. Like, it's a rare combo of what he has. And if he's going to, if, if they want to sign him to an extension already, then it means that they really, really like him a lot. And that that's not really the Rays' way. So, I'm buying in to a full extent. I have been for a while, but I think the buy-in window is quickly closing if you still want to get him at an affordable price because if he comes up and hits, like he's going to soar up boards. He sure is, yeah. I'm definitely very high on Mead. Uh, I think I moved him into my top 30 prospect ranking. Probably should push him even higher than that. Maybe he's top 20. But, you know, I usually struggle with comps, but, you know, one that kind of just came to mind and I looked up the guy's stats – I think I think he could be a pretty similar hitter to this guy, Justin Turner. That's interesting. You know, Turner never really stood out, but he was a very, very good hitter. You know, it kind of came later in his career. Obviously, he didn't really break out till I think he was like around thirty or so with the Dodgers. But look at what he was with the Dodgers. Like you know, two eighty, two ninety, twenty five to thirty home runs several years. I think that's what we could be seeing with Mead. Where's he wide up in the diamond? I don't know, probably third base, could be second base. I don't know. Maybe it's some results. Who knows with Tampa Bay, but definitely love Curtis Mead, and he's still fairly affordable for being a guy, a guy that is as high as like in both of our rankings. But again, like like you mentioned, Chris, totally agree that that buying window is starting to close a little bit. So a good time to get in on him right now. Same with this guy too. I've been, you know, I've written him up a couple of times this offseason. Christian Encarnacion Strand, 
went over from Cincy, I mean, from Minnesota to Cincy in the, was it the Sony Gray deal or the Tyler yep. Molly deal? I think it was, it was Gray. Yeah, okay. I think. So, they've, they've had a few trades. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was Sony Gray. But regardless, went over to Cincinnati this past year and overall 31 doubles, 32 home runs. And a 304 average in 122 games between mostly in, in high A, but got about 48 games in double A as well. And he is mashing this spring. Three home runs, a double and a triple as well in 21 plate appearances, hitting, I don't know, a cool 600 with a 1200 slug. Obviously, it's very early, but he's absolutely mashing so far. Has, you know, in a neutral park, I'd say it's a low to mid 30s home run guy. Who knows, in, in Cincinnati, in Great American Ballpark, could be a guy that pushes 40. I kinda, I call him like Baby Pete because I think he could be like Pete Alonzo. Not, I'm not saying he's going to be Pete Alonzo, but you know, a slightly scaled back Pete Alonzo if everything clicks with him. you know, Obviously, the concern has been a little bit of swing and miss in his game, but hey, only one strikeout so far in 21 plate appearances, albeit zero walks as well, so that's also an issue. But, but solid contact skill, solid enough. And I think he'd be a 260 hitter. Great quality of contact. Great bark. Could be a second half guy or something like that. Maybe the air parent at first base to Joey Votto. I am all in. You're going to see Encarnacion Strand rise a ton in prospect rankings this year. I have a few concerns about him. And I'm just afraid that I guess spring performance has been awesome. But I feel like a lot of his dominance is just product of him just feasting on, you know, poor pitching in the minors. And that's not to discount what he's done so far. You know, last year he did spend, you know, a decent portion of the year in double A, which is a lot better than high pitching. But he chases so much. He There's a lot of whiff in his game. And I feel like the more he moves up, the more he's going to get exploited with breaking balls. His zone contact is passable like it's much below average you know, he ran contact rate of 69 percent last year so considering he played most of the year in high a that's, that's not very good the chase rate's what really gets me like it's not good 39 percent yeah i'm i'm just afraid he's friend mill reyes like in friend mill reyes had his flashes of being like a really good hitter, like where everybody wanted to buy in. It was like, oh yeah, like Fred Mill raises it. And then it's just like, it just fell off so quick and he was a nobody. And that's the kind of profile that this reminds me of is that, you know, a lot of power, he can show decent contact in the zone, but the chase just, man, it's, he swings so much out of the zone that I can't fully buy into him because of that. And I personally, might be selling him in a dynasty if i had him like if there's a lot of hype around your league like i'll maybe look to cash out on christian carnacion strand right now first off his name is way too long to say yeah multiple CES. times i mean yeah i, I abbreviate the ces my articles like that's i feel bad for who make the jerseys for them like that's to be one of those like either you have to make the font a lot smaller or like one of the ones where it's like a big horseshoe that goes like halfway around the jersey but yeah, th those are all valid concerns. Like I mentioned, like those have been the concerns with him. And, you know, this could go one of two ways. It could go that he's a middle-of-the-order thumper that's 30-plus home runs annually, or he's a guy that falls off like a Framo Reyes, 
who did have like that one good year, but now he's on like his third team in the last year and a half that he might not even make. Who knows? So yeah, I think it's a wide range of outcomes. Very valid concerns. I have the same concerns as well. I guess I'm slightly less concerned by them than you are, but yeah, this is a, this is a wide variance profile here. So could be a you know middle of the other thumper could fall off. We'll see. I think this is gonna be a big year because you will probably start out maybe even in triple A. I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of maybe you know, but regardless, whether it's double A, triple A, he's gonna be in the upper minors this year. Maybe get some major league time if he hits well. So I think this is going to be a very telling year one way or the other on CES to see like, all right, which guy is he going to be? So very intriguing. We'll see, kind of see how, how it plays out here. Another intriguing, you know, big bat that was recently acquired by Cincinnati, Will Benson, another guy that, and, you know, he's big. He's 6'5", 230. He might even be a little bit bigger than that. I think he's more like 240, but I don't know. But Regardless, a guy that has always intrigued in the minor leagues, that power-speed blend. We're talking about a guy that had 94 home runs and 86 steals in 542 games, but up until 2022, never hit for a high average. Going into 2022, his career high for a batting average in the year was 38 in the you know former New York Penn League back when it was short season A ball back then. And that was only 238 back when he was 19 in the year 2017. So it took him a while, but hey, he hit 279 with a 426 OBP in AAA Columbus last year before he got caught up to the major leagues. Cut the K rate a good amount. Got the walk rate that remained high. It's always been high, stayed high. But that K rate dropped down to, let's see, it was... Type here, twenty two point seven percent. That's not like you know great, but that's around league average. So compared to year before that, it was thirty three point five percent, and that was even worse. You know, previously, encouraging. Now in Cincinnati, encouraging, intriguing. I don't know. It's another thing where it's a wide variance outcome. Is last year's improvements with the approach for real? We'll see. But I'm at least intrigued. He's, you know, a dart throw. He's a, you know, guy that you can acquire for cheap where, again, the if it doesn't work out, you didn't pay a lot to get him. If it does work out, potential big ROI here. So I'm willing to buy into Will Benson right now. He's definitely intriguing. Yeah, I'm actually all in on this one. He's, I mean, you have nothing to lose. With him, you just drop him if he sucks. Exactly, but and it's passable contact rate. Surprisingly, like con- you, you look at him and you may not expect that he's like a not a bad contact rate, but really good eye at the plate. He doesn't chase. I mean, he ran a fourteen percent chase rate last year in the minors. Like for reference, like Juan Soto is like eighteen nineteen percent. So kind of nuts to to look at that. But he so his swing rate is lower, but he is more aggressive in the zone, which is good. Like he definitely swings more pitches in the zone. High hard hit rate. He gets a good power to the pool side. He's got some intriguing speed, and he's in a really good ballpark to hit now. And he has nobody blocking him. Like this lineup's just not good. And there's nobody that's really gonna take a spot from him, I don't think. So I think he's just gonna run with it personally. And I think Vincent's an intriguing power speed option that's 
passable and batting average. And I think you really take that. If you're if you like Jake Fraley or if you like TJ Friedel, like you should certainly like Will Benson. Yeah, the opportunity is there for sure. Like I've been taking him a lot in best balls and DCs to see, like I said, where, where's it go? Does he is last year for real? I think there's a lot of tangible improvements, and, he, and you just listed them as well. So, yeah, I'm, I've always been intrigued by him. Obviously, the, the size, the strength, the athleticism, always been intriguing. But now that he's becoming you know, a better pure hitter, better approach, definitely has my attention. And this could be you know, could be a, a pretty noticeable breakout this year. We'll see. But definitely got to keep an eye on him further on in the spring training, see what the playing time looks like for him. We'll see. All right, let's round out the show here. couple of young third basemen that have solid raw power, but you know haven't really lifted the ball consistently enough to tap into that in games. Alec Bohm, Cabrian Hayes, both lifting the ball more in the spring training, you know, hitting some home runs already. Are you intrigued by this, Chris? Are you believing in it? What are your thoughts on these two? I am fully buying it to both, and that may sound quite crazy, but I'm, man, I'm intrigued. Looking at both of them lifting the ball more, like it's never been an issue of hitting the ball hard enough with either of them, but now they're getting to it and lifting the ball, and man, I'm I'm thinking that there's a breakout in store for both Bohm and Cabrian Hayes this year. And maybe I'll be disappointed once again because that seems to be like the kind of the case with these two. But Ohm's really intriguing from the standpoint of like he hits the ball hard, he hits for good average, just hits the ball into the ground. Launch angle was better last year, but that doesn't really paint the whole picture of of who he was. Still hits the ball on the ground too often and just really just wasn't making consistent you know, line drive, fly ball contact. But with the velo- the exit velos we've seen and the launch angles we've seen, I'm buying Alec Bohm. Same with Cabrian Hayes. Like, really, really sneaky where he's, like, at the top of, like, so many, like, EV leaderboards. Like, 90th percentile, like, average EV hard hit. He's up there in all of them. Yet he hit just seven home runs last year in 560 yeah. plate appearances. It's the ball on the ground so much. And his average doesn't really represent who he is as a hitter. The best thing about Hayes is he steals base. He stole 20 bases last year. And he said he wants to be even more aggressive on the base pass this year. I mean, I don't know what the outcome is for either of them, but they're going late enough and their dynasty stock has fallen enough where I'm going to take a shot on it and see where it goes because I do think there could be breakouts for both of those guys here. Yeah, yeah, and and the good thing is with... With both these guys, that they even if the power isn't there, like they have other contributions to fall back on. Like Bohm hits for a good average, you know, solid counting stats and a good lineup. With Hayes, like you mentioned, the speed is there. So if that power takes off, like these guys could both be top 10 third basemen. Like they're already fairly close just because of how it falls off after, like, you know, Bregman and Gunner and all them. But yeah, if you see Hayes get up to even like, I'll take like 17, 18 home runs with 20 plus steals. It's a profile we don't haven't seen in quite a, a long time at this position. Obviously, Joe Ram, but not a profile you see often where you can get a potential 2020 guy at the hot corner. And Bohm, like I said, he's, he's a good hitter. You know, 
isn't going to provide any speed. So he's a four category guy, but it could be one of those guys that's really just above average across the board. You know, two eighty hitter. He could be twenty five home run guy. Good lineup. You know, be adds more power. He already had seven. Was it seventy? 79 runs, 72 RBI last year. You know, gets on base a little bit more. He showed more on on base abilities in the minor leagues. You know, still, you know, 324 career OBP. So maybe that's what he is. But hey, if he can start, you know, maybe get up to 85, 90 RBI with all the, you know, JT and Hoskins and Harper's back. Obviously, all the good bats in that line. Obviously, Trey Turner there now as well. Like, would it surprise you if we saw Bohm go like twenty five and hundred this year while hitting two eighty, Chris? I don't think it would actually. Um, like I said, it's really intriguing yeah. profile here. Yep, absolutely. So I'm, I'm definitely. I was already kind of, you know, still buying into the two of them, but I think now is real prime time to buy in dynasty leagues because if these breakouts happen, like you know, former top prospect pedigrees, obviously the names are there. So I think this would be one where they start hitting for power early in the year. Like, let's say they have three, four home runs over the first two weeks of the year, something like that. You're going to see that price tag really start to, to soar into the top 100. So, yeah, definitely a great time to invest there. So that's going to wrap us up, though. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Again, this episode, we hope you enjoyed it. Go back and check out the pitching episode as well. A lot of fun stuff to talk about this time of year. Love that baseball is in full swing. We get a lot of fun episodes in store. Got some guests lined up as well. So it's going to be a, a fun next few weeks leading up to spring training. Tune in again next time. We get, again, a fun episode in store. But until then, everyone take care. Bye.